You're listening to the Struggles We Grow From podcast. We're Austin and Sydney Prince. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the podcast. We're so glad that you're here. If you are enjoying our podcast, would you please, either on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, go ahead and give us a five-star review and just leave a sentence. We would really appreciate it, and we would love to read what you have to say. All right, so last episode, we were talking about manifestation, manifesting, and can we do that or can we not? And if you haven't listened to that, You can always pause right here and just go back to the episode before this. And how we ended that conversation was me kind of asking the question, why was there, well, hold on. I was kind of getting to like, as Christians, can we manifest revival within our local church, within our community, within the world? Like, can we do that? Are we able to do that since as believers in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit within us, then therefore God's power lives within us. Are we able to do that? And then which led me to another question, we started talking about the Asbury revival. And I even saw like this week, someone share a blog post on like the negative things and like the horror of like the Asbury, not the horror, but like the negative things about the Asbury revival or like why it wasn't real or, you know, whatever. And so I was just posing the question on, you would know more than me because I feel like you follow and listen more to what these big name like theologians and like popular pastors and teachers say. And I feel like I've heard you say and others say that a lot of them did not like that the Asbury revival was going on. Then it just feels like, sorry, you can hear our kiddos. Again, they're in the room next to us playing. However, but like, I feel like lately in this time frame, I am so like cynical about anything that claims to be this is me personally. Don't, I'm not saying that anyone should not watch these things, whatever. But I feel like, you know, The Chosen has been this really popular show and like your family watches it. Some of my family's mm-hmm. watched it. I have not watched a single episode of that. Well, we've watched the first half of the first episode. Well, I think it was because we kind of had to because we were in your parents' house and put it on the TV. That's very true. Not being like, oh, my God, we were forced to. I am so cynical about these types of things. There is some serious brother-sister fighting going on in the other room. But I feel like... um, Yeah, somebody's about to come. Pause it. Okay, we are unpaused now. Situation's handled. So anyway, what I was saying is I feel like I'm so cynical to those types of things because I hold God's word and what it says so high up in my head. For some reason, I just want to reject the idea that like as humans, 
We've taken God's word and I feel like I'm not saying that I mean again I can't I haven't watched The Chosen because I've literally just rejected it already in my mind like I'm not watching it <laughs> because I don't know. And there's so many people that are like it's so great, like it's so great. I don't know, but but it seems like here lately it's like okay, so The Chosen and like it's gotten really big and to the point where there's like these big nights like I know my mom went to one or something of like it being in a movie theater and it was like this big thing. And then um, what is the next? And then like the Asbury revival happening. And then it just seems like right after that, this Jesus revolution movie that I was just the name of that. I don't know why threw me off. We can and, talk about that one Okay, more if you want. I'm I'm trying to figure out. Where do you even want to start? Because you, you okay, started I, I'm, with... I'm getting to my point. Okay. I don't really know my point anymore. Hold on. So anyway, I was saying I'm very... I was very cynical about this content. What I'm saying is it seems like within this year or so, there's been like this... I don't know, like shift or change in like the film industry a little bit where these Christian things are becoming very popular and then the Asbury revival was put in the middle of that but I guess my first question I don't really know where I was going with all that but I guess my first question is why was why were there so many pastors and theologians and stuff that did not like the Asbury Revival. I want you to hold on to that question. I want to talk because you started the conversation talking about the chosen and having God's word so high. So I want to unpack that first. And then we'll finally get to the question I asked at the original (laughs) beginning of this podcast on can we manifest revival? So we'll answer that eventually. Anyway, so go ahead. What were you going to say? Thank you. So what I'm trying to just stop and and just talk about for a second is, like, you personally don't like The Chosen. Like, you personally don't like it. Well, I mean, I've maybe seen, like, half an episode. Yes. And even as while it was playing, I it's was rejecting it. It's the concept that you don't like. Yeah, I was rejecting it in my mind because I don't like – Personally, like, please watch The Chosen if you are feeling hold like, up, wa- hold fine, up. whatever. Hold on, hold just, on, hold on. I don't don't take want... the personal out of it. Okay, this is not personal to you. Take the, I'm what is your conviction saying? Okay, whatever. I don't like the idea that humans have taken the Bible and turned it into a script, but then added, a, like, added other things to it that we don't even know for sure happened. We don't even know for sure if that's how it really went. We don't know for sure anything. I don't like the idea of that. You don't like the adding to or the taking away. Yeah. So for those of you. So that's why I reject it altogether. Yes. So Sydney doesn't <laughs> like The Chosen. That's great. Um, if you I, watch it, I'm still your friend if I'm already your friend. If you're not already your friend, she's basically like, just if I said, don't know you. <laughs> you're not our friend now. Um, no. Okay. So 
I don't like the chosen either. But okay. I like the chosen. I, I don't like the chosen for a lot of reasons. Okay. I don't like who produced it. I don't like the company that owns the rights to it. I don't like the fact that the director producer said that Christians and G Christians and Mormons love the same Jesus. No, we don't. So there are already theological fallacies within the ringleaders of this production. Yeah. Okay. I don't like. Number two, if you have ever read J.I. Packer's Knowing God, he goes explicitly, and I, I, he would probably be one of the smartest three people within the past 150 years. J.I. Packer, R.C. Sproul, John Piper. In your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't even think those are debatable. Anyways, <laughs> I'm like I'm not trying to be a, a cocky jerk. Like it's I don't even think they're debatable at this moment. I mean, some people would. Yeah, well, they would probably lose the debate. <laughs> okay. Um, sticking to my guns on this one. Okay. But anyways, he writes a passage about what it means to have graven images. Things that we are called to do within the Ten Commandments, not to create idols, not create graven images. And he makes it very clear that any type of image that distracts, there actually, let me phrase it better this way. There is no image that can be manufactured to accompany the presence of Jesus, to accompany the worship of Jesus. It's either an idol or it's not an idol. There's no in-between. He talks about Roman Catholics, how they have a lot of crucifixes, and that's supposed to stir their heart towards Christ. And he said at the core of it, what they do is they're worshiping an image that reminds them of Christ rather than worshiping Christ. So for me personally, I don't like TV shows that depict Jesus. And I know everybody loved The Passion of the Christ. Passion of the Christ was a great story. I don't like anything that really depicts these things of Christ, even though they've probably been used in great ways. And we're, we can say with confidence that what Paul wrote in Ephesians, and not Ephesians, Philippians 2, that even from selfish gain, the gospel is still preached and it's still received and it still transforms lives. We believe that. So even though I don't agree with these things, they have been used for good. Now, do I believe that they're accurate? About 50%. There's a lot of creative freedom that's been taken with the Chosen that I don't necessarily agree with. But I, I want to land that plane because I don't think the Chosen has anything to do with the Asbury revivals. No, I was just saying, I don't know why it just hit me in this moment. It just feels like there's this, like, shift in things Yeah. lately. Yeah. And, like— You talked about the Jesus Revolution— yeah, because it was just funny to me how, like, the Asbury Revival happened, and then, like, right after that, everyone's talking about going to go see Jesus Revolution and how amazing it is and everything. Yeah, so Jesus Revolution, if you're not familiar with, it's essentially uh, an actual story that happened. It talks about in the 60s during the hippie movement, um, 
a, a church and a struggling pastor taking um, taking steps to be more open and inviting to the hippie community to share the hope of the gospel with him. That's beautiful. You meet a whole bunch of people who are real life pastors. The whole um, vineyard movement was sparked out of this. My parents in particular were involved with the vineyard movement. So why is that? Uh, it's a group of churches. It goes all the way, mostly out in the West that moved towards the East. Uh, it's just a string of churches. It's We went to a vineyard church in Albertville. We went to a vineyard church in Gunnersville. So like they're, they're called vineyard churches. Anyways, there's a lot of really cool things in that story. As it's a story. What people are doing with the Jesus Revolution is they're creating, like, one of the main characters. He actually is Jesus in The Chosen. He plays a a pastor Christian guy in the new movie. He openly battled, like, homosexual tendencies. He talked about, like, that there's—he says that there's sin. Wait, is Jesus Revolution a movie or is it a documentary? It's a movie. It's supposed to be based off of real life events, but it's a theatric version of real life events. You're saying Mm -hmm. the guy who plays Jesus in The Chosen is the guy who plays one of the main characters in Jesus Revolution. So not the guy who's not the guy himself who's playing like the like the actor himself. You're saying the actor. It made it sound like you were saying the actor himself openly in the movie talks about. How he deals with so homosexuality, no, no, no. but the, guy, the person he's playing, the person he's a playing he's is playing. a real okay. person from the Jesus movement okay. in the '60s. Helped spark the Vineyard Church. This guy got it. Had tendencies, struggled, said it was a sin, said it was against God's plan, said homosexuality is a cheap knockoff of God's intentional design. Okay, but. What's happening is everybody and their mom is going to watch this, and they're seeing these little nuggets that have been thrown in, these subtle hints that there's something going on with this guy, and they're they're taking they're taking it as an opportunity to say, man, this guy champions like it's okay to be gay and be Christian, it's okay to be open sexuality. It, so, so there's a whole there's a good and bad revolving around this movie, but again. I don't think that has anything to do with the Asbury stuff just because that movie has been in production for years. Yeah. So I want to put both of those to bed. Okay. And to answer your question, (laughs) you opened up three cans of worms, and I would at least like to close a few of them. Somehow in my brain they were all connected. Thank you. Anyway. Anyways. Asbury Revival. So there were people who liked it. There were people who didn't like it. There were well-known pastors that liked it. Yeah, I remember. Well-known pastors drove there. False teachers drove there. Solid. Uh, There's a false teacher from Lakeland who's. There was a Facebook post of a woman, and this is alleged, obviously, I don't personally. Well. right, a phone fell. I don't personally know this woman, but allegedly she um, works at Asbury in some capacity. Yep. And she made a Facebook post 
after it was done and her Facebook post was basically saying like, all right, like we're done. Mm-hmm. And she took pictures of the thing like the whole time because she knew like people were saying things about it. Like number one, like they planned this, you know, they mm-hmm. planned to stay and they planned to make it this big thing with a bunch of emotion and blah, blah, blah. And like she had pictures literally showing how like they were writing out songs on like just paper napkins and, or like a brown paper bag or something like so simple like that. Um, literally like three minutes before they were starting up. Cause they obviously they took like singing breaks and for like their health, <laughs> like their voices, I guess. But um, they would like write down some songs that like came to mind on a napkin or, you know, pictures of like some restaurants and people like donating free food and taking it up there in a room for like those who were, I guess, worshiping. Pictures of how a long line of cars, you know, just like for miles down the street, photos of like there were there was a photo of like news and reporters, but they told them they they didn't want them there. Yeah, Fox News even yeah, got turned away. They didn't want them there and they had they had a police presence that was like helping them. Yeah. And like we don't this isn't what this is. It's not what this is about. Like we don't want this. Pictures of like intentional like prayer time and like groups time there it looks like they were maybe outside you know how like college campuses have like you know grassy areas and people are just sitting outside group together so like and i'm sure there's other things that she said but kind of like the purpose of like this is what really happened here's my viewpoint mm-hmm. my take on it i was here you know this is what really happened and then you have like probably what you're about to share these pastors theologians that didn't like it and some did like it like i remember but anyway i don't know i also want to add i wouldn't say that there's an actual like there's people who study theology i would venture to say that people who were actually theologians like that probably passed when dr sproles passed like the only one that I can think of that would still fit into that category would be John Piper. He's the last one. Hmm. And John MacArthur, everybody loves him. He's a great Bible teacher. He can really be a turd sometimes in how he says things. But mm-hmm. he's a great Bible teacher. Theologian that's left, I'd probably say John Piper. Now, all these other mega church pastors that showed up, false teachers showed up, all those different things. They didn't get an opportunity to speak. One of the things that I think is important to note is when something like this happens, we need to go take a look at history. So there was the Great Awakening that happened early on in colonial America. That was was not a revival. What that was was uh, almost like the gospel being revealed to people, the nation had its eyes open. That's why it's called an awakening. Uh, now, revivals are meant to revive believers, right? That's what everybody says it means, which is great. Um, 
Now, the ones that we can see, at least in the West, that have happened, there's the Ontario outpouring, there's what happened in Pensacola, uh, and then what's happened at Asbury. Now, there's a lot of really negative things surrounding the Ontario outpouring, what people call the Ontario outpouring that happened in Canada. There's a lot of negative things around that. I probably wouldn't adhere and say, hey, that that's valid, but... From somebody, even at a young age, who was at the Pensacola Revivals, I have done a lot of research. Uh, Dr. Michael Brown, all these other people who were there. And comparing what has happened in Asbury versus what has happened at the Pensacola Revivals. Because I, I do believe that the Pensacola Revival was genuine. Do I think that people might have hijacked it or it might have got a bad rap or people um, seeking fame attached their name to it? Absolutely. At the same time, from eyewitness accounts, eyewitness accounts who were there at the Pensacola Revivals literally said it was like the entire city was flipped on its head. And it was like the moment that you enter the city, you go get coffee, you go get food, you start to interact with people. It was literally like there was something different in the air. It was incredible. Like it literally, that's what revival should do. It should flip mm-hmm. a town on its head. Now, I don't, I haven't heard anything like that from Asbury. And I'm not saying it didn't happen. Yeah, like we weren't there. We weren't there. But what I will say is one of the things that is a mark of revival is repentance. Right, you can't have revival without repentance. And if anyone tells you otherwise, then what they're saying isn't actually revival, it's emotionalism. Mm. Like if you're not talking, if you really want revival, if that's what your heartbeat is, and you don't talk about the ugliness of sin, the gravity of the separation of man, even Mm -hmm. as a believer, if you don't talk about the heaviness and the need for repentance, then you will never get revival. You'll get emotionalism. And I'm not like, I'm not trying to say like people out there are doing it wrong. I'm just saying what we see in scripture is. No, like there are, there are people doing things out there wrong in light of Asbury. Yeah. Because there are pastors of, of churches that are like, oh, I want that for my church. And like maybe like their intention in the beginning was like good, like I want my people, like I want to have revival, but then it can quickly turn to like, oh, everyone knows like the Asbury name. Well, what if everyone knew my church's name? Yeah. And then it becomes something completely different. And you can manipulate spiritually why what you're saying is okay. You know, like, no, 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 no. Like, no, I want I want God to, like, bring this awakening and revival and refreshing and an outpouring of the Spirit, like, on my people. But you can't, again, like, we're getting, like, we can't manifest that on our own and make that happen. And the harder you try to make it happen, it is so evident to me, you know, like, you can feel things like that. 
and you just can't force anything like that to and like make it happen to like try to play on people's emotions or to I don't really know you know just yep or make make it all about what you can get out of that experience yeah so you know so like I preached a couple weeks ago um and what we do is we fall in love with what God can do rather what we fall in love with God. Yeah, just God himself. Yeah, so like for saving you in the first place. Yeah. It doesn't Cuz he doesn't have to bring a revival. He doesn't. That's out of goodness, like literally out of grace. Yep. That he would like grant that to you. Yeah. And grace is most openly accepted at the foot of the cross, not under the pressure of performance. Mm-hmm. I think so many people are so focused on having a revival with all of these other people, but nobody's like... It just feels like there's not a lot of people interested or hungry for it just starting with, like, them. Yeah. And, in secret, like, yeah. in their own time. Yeah. I also want to add that what we think of revival, at least in our Western context, is we think of— The tents. We No, yes, but we <laughs> what, right now we think of, like— extended worship and which i'm not saying extended worship isn't good like let's have more worship that's beautiful but revival isn't just worship you see people don't repent because they sing songs to god like it's evident how people repent is the declaration of the word joel chapter two it's very clear John Piper says it's the, I mean, and again, I'm I'm quoting John Piper a lot, but he says, there's no song, there's no creativity, there's nothing that God has ordained to win the souls of man besides preaching and declaring the word. Mm -hmm. There's nothing. It doesn't matter if you have the best worship leaders. It doesn't matter if they're equipped. It doesn't matter if they're called. It doesn't matter if rainbows pop out of the sky and glory dust hits the ground. None of that matters because none of those things save souls. Yeah, it's it's almost like, you know, th- how many songs that you sing and just singing a bunch of songs over and over again is revival. And I want to bring to light too, like— the, But that's not bad. We're not, not saying that saying that's that bad. saying that that's bad. Like you need to worship God. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, too, in people's minds, like, you aren't really worshiping and ministering to God's heart if your hands aren't raised or if you're not on your knees or if if your eyes are closed or if your head's down or up. And there's always, like, this big pull sometimes to, like, Worship freely, worship freely. But, like, I know people who are so strong in their faith that can 
after hearing a message about repentance, being brought to repentance and worship without even singing a word, but it's just like they're having this moment with God and they can just either sit in their seat or they can stand there and it doesn't have to look one way. Mm-hmm. It's it's all about how God is leading you in that moment and you responding to that. So that would be some of the downsides of the Pensacola revivals. Like there was this push for everyone to do the same like thing. Like everyone put your hands out. Everyone put... Well, not even that, but like everyone run to the altar right now, right, you know, come mm. right now. Like going to the altar is great. Like it's great. We need to do that. We need the high places and the ashra in our life to be torn down. But in that moment, are you doing that because you're obeying God or you feel like you have to obey someone who's shouting at you? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So I think... As, as you really begin to talk and unpack the Asbury Revival, you've, you've got to know how it started. It started because students wanted Wednesday Chapel. They did a little bit of worship. Somebody got up and shared a message of repentance. But I think the person who shared that was like they're like the college ministry like leader. And they, they're a Christian mm-hmm. college. So, like, Christian colleges, if you don't know. I mean, I went to a Christian, like, private school, other high school. Like, chapel on Wednesdays was not, like, optional. It's, like, it's at every Wednesday. And, like, I remember when I was in school, it, it could very quickly, and I'm going to say in light of this to, like, how amazing it is that, what happened from that happened because you can just so easily, just like everyone does, if they go to church on Sunday and it becomes a regular routine, like it can just become like, oh, Wednesday chapel, like that's just what we've got to do. And like, it's mandatory for us to go. So like, let's go. And we would have some worship songs often led by our like student worship. Like we have a a music class, worship music class, and then they would have someone come in and speak, and then it'd be done over with. So the fact, like, that's a norm for them to have chapel. So the fact that, like, some repentance was talked about and preached on, and from that came that out of something that can easily be so mundane and just, like, the norm is a pretty big deal. Yeah. It absolutely is a big deal. That's what I was getting to is like, you know, things can become out of the norm. It's not like on one random Wednesday, they never do this. It just happens. Well, they traditionally, they they didn't do, like the students wanted Wednesday chapel to be back. So there was a hiatus. There was this break or either a lingering period. Why were they not doing Wednesday chapel? I don't know. It could just be it didn't start. I didn't hear that, so. It could just be it didn't start up. That, again, this is all experiential every bit of information because we can't validate it like we can't call the school and be like hey i'd love to talk to somebody about your revival (laughs) they probably had a million calls yeah they probably had a million calls so wednesday chapel repentance is preached then this happens beautiful we personally know someone who was there they were uh they were a pastor in our college town, and now they're they're up closer to 
Asbury and they drove, they experienced it, they gave validation for it. Um, here it goes, part two. <laughs> Anyways, they said it was true and genuine. And that was about around day number three that they wrote that. And it's beautiful. However, there was a shift that began to happen where um, it was more of a worship time rather than, hey, there was testimonials of people and repentance and all these different things. I mean, there's even people who are going on the internet in, in the Twitter space and just saying like the three people who were leading worship found out who they were and started sharing personal details about, hey, uh, same-sex uh, relationships, this and that and the other. Like, it, it got real... I, I want like everyone, messy? I want everyone to hear this. If Jesus came back right now and he came to America and he came to the Western church, he would give us the same letter that he gave Laodicea in Revelation. I want everyone to hear that. But what if they don't know what that is? We are, the, we are the lukewarm. We are the messy. Uh, I mean, even in Revelation, I mean, I would say that we're either lukewarm. We don't lukewarm, want to offend anyone. We're either lukewarm or messy. No, that's different. That's the that's the spirit that bows, bows down to Jezebel. That's the, listen, if you don't know who Mark Driscoll is, I don't care what you think about him. He's doing a new series called New Days, Old Demons. It's a banger. Talks about It talks about the Jezebel spirit and Elijah and Ahab. It talks about those things that the, in, anyways, like we're getting off track. If Jesus came back, he would look at how Christians handled the out, uh, the Asbury revival and he would be really disappointed in us because we're so, all supposed to be on the same team. And all we did was bicker with one another while people who actually love Jesus were trying to seek after Jesus. Yeah. So regardless of all the messiness and whether any of it's true, whether the persons that were in question had a redemptive, repentive experience at Asbury and now they've turned from their own way, old ways and now they're running towards the cross— we don't know any of those things. What we can say is that there was a change when all of these larger megachurch pastors started driving and going. And what I believe is it cheapens the experience. So like day number four, I was like, okay, let's go, let's go. And then I started praying about it and really started asking the question to experience the presence of God. Do I really need to drive to Kentucky? No. Nope. Like, like, is that yeah. really? Is that really what we're saying? Is that the Spirit of God now manifests greater in one space than another? Because mm-hmm. the Scripture that I have says that it not only is it the Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, but it's the Holy Spirit that now lives, works through you. That the life you now live in the flesh is by the power and the grace the presence of the sonic, like all those different things. So I think it sets a dangerous precedence for people when we start saying, hey, you've got to go to one place to encounter 
what God is doing. No, I don't I don't know if people were saying that. I think the issue is people are so hungry for true and genuine and they were like I'm just hungry for something different. I want change. I want change. I'm just hungry, hungry, hungry. And then they just drive. Mm. Now, I think there was a lot of people like that. And then I think there was people who were already pastors and also, too, big name like worship people that make music and whatnot. I, I love Brandon Lake, and I love how on his Instagram he was said, I'm literally praying that these popular like Christian artists like do not go there. Mm-hmm. Like, don't go there. Because in t- really what you're saying is like, well, like the Holy Spirit's got this going, but what's really going to bring it home is if I get up there and lead mm. or if I get up there and speak. Because when I speak, when I preach— you know, the spirit every time just comes and like that is so ugh. And then you have people who maybe even have a pastor like that. And they were just like, I'm hungry for like real and genuine. This is a small little chapel. There's no it's not dark with the lights going everywhere and like every single instrument and on demand is up there and like the sound quality is like superb and it's just right and like it was just none of that all the lights were on the light was shining through they just wanted something different and I think it goes back to what you're saying like as western culture what we've created church to be there is this shift in people especially our age Mm -hmm. who are like we're done with this Yep. It's we're so tired of it. <laughs> and we want something yep. different and we're looking for change. And a lot of us our age too have younger kids and family. And so that's another reason why that's primarily on our mind is because we're thinking about our kids too. Yeah. And so but getting back to like can we manifest and, like, make revival happen, like, in our community, in our local church? Yeah, you can. You you yourself can make that happen. Yeah. In in your local church body, Mm -hmm. you can get up on the stage and command that that happen right then and there. I wouldn't say get up on a stage, but you can— you can open the door for it. Okay. You do that just by loving Jesus for who he is. Like actually seeking after Jesus, not for what he's going to do for your life, not for the good, not for the breakthrough, not for the redemption, not for the any of these other great things that are great because they they are a part of what Jesus can do. But if you love Jesus for just Jesus— Nothing more, nothing less. But like by what I'm saying is like we can't at the exact moment in time that we want it to happen, it happens. That's right. That's like me going outside. And y'all, I used to try to do this when I was a little girl because I saw it in the movies. 
go outside and be like, wind blow. <laughs> like, she was. She thought she was an airbender. In Jesus' name, let the wind blow. Could that happen? Yeah, like it could. It could. Or by coincidence. Probably that one. You know, or like we can't say that it can't because like Moses listened to God and through God parted the freaking Red Sea. Yeah. For people to walk through. Hit a rock and honey can, and water came out. Yeah, so all the so like God like, can I mean, God can do it. But you can't get you mad can't, at yeah. yourself as a believer that you're not doing something enough or you're not worshiping hard enough or reading well enough or praying long and hard enough to like bring revival. That's right. That's you, what I'm getting at. It's like at the exact moment in time, you can't just make that happen. There is no performance that will unlock the secret door for revival. All you can do is posture your heart for it. And that starts one person at a time every morning, every day. Because ultimately God's in control of everything. And yep. he already knows and has that all planned out. Yep. The question is, do you want to do it in his time or your time? Yep. 41 minutes. Well, we went around the block a couple times. <laughs> Don't know whose fault that was. Yours. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you have questions, Spotify or comments on the episode, Spotify does have this cool thing now where on an episode you can type in an answer to a question. Mm -hmm. So the question's normally just like, what do you think about this episode? And you can post in there. Remember, we would love if you would give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, and maybe just leave us a sentence about what you think about this podcast. Yeah. Maybe what we'll do next is we'll go through Francis Chan's Letters to the Church. Hmm. Or since we were talking about this Western culture church and everything and how, like, we were talking about that, um, maybe we could unpack what does the New Testament church look like. Mm. That'll be a big one. Mm. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you back here next time. Bye, friends. Bye.